I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And And we we are Status Macabre. Recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Status Macabre. We're back. Don't feed or water us after midnight. I don't know why I said that. It just came to my Are head. we gremlins? Could be. Mm, I, I said we're back was really poltergeist, wasn't it? It's We're back. It's back. It's, it's back. She's back something. Yeah. It, no, but that is poltergeist. Poltergeist, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched this really weird movie on Netflix the other night. It was like the... I can't remember what the hell it was about. It... Clearly wasn't memorable. People are talking a lot of <laughs> shit about it. But it did. I did also watch um, The Worst Roommate Ever. I started watching Dude, that. fantastic. Today, I actually don't even think I finished episode one before I had to leave the house. It's great. I binged it. The, fantastic. The grandmother who, or the older woman who said, she told everybody she was 70, but she was actually only 50 and was oh, killing. Right? Every, yeah, that's the one yeah, I'm on. Uh, yeah, so it's multiple episodes. The yeah. next episode is a completely separate and different thing. Yeah. Fantastic. Really good. I don't, you know, Netflix and Discovery it's Plus. It's hit or miss. I, y'all, yes, y'all need to produce some more murders. I don't know if somebody needs to go commit some so y'all can write about them, but something needs to happen. So, have you, have you is it Paramount Plus? There's a Paramount Plus? I have Paramount Plus, yes. Um, and they actually, I actually just signed up for that yesterday. Yeah. And oh, Because I specifically wanted to watch 1883. Oh yeah, I, which you—that's your kind of stuff. Which is which is pretty interesting. Yeah, um, it starts out really good, but it has nothing to do with paranormal or anything no, like that. No, it's also tied to um, Yellowstone. Yellowstone, correct? Yeah. yeah, Ryan binges all that stuff. Which I gotta be honest with you, I watched the first, and maybe coming back, and because I didn't realize that they were like a like eighteen eighty three was a prelude. Yeah, but um, maybe I'll go back and give Yellowstone. But I am the only person that I know, and I'm probably going to get drawn and quartered for this. That I'm not a fan of Yellowstone. Me either. I was, I was just not. like, what? Yeah. Like, okay, the guy's cute and whatever, but nah, man, just it was just it was eh, eh. It, it was, was eh. it was so like okay, eh. I know what's going to happen. Yeah, it was predictable. Oh, thank you. That's the word I. C- up with. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I tend to just watch murder crap. So right, stick so. stick with what you know. So exactly. So so you guys, we're back for episode two. Robert Robert Berdella and Chrissy. You know, she needed a break. She needed a palate cleanser. I palate last time. cleansed. <laughs> I cleansed my palate thoroughly. It was gross, though. It was. Ugh. It was. It was pretty heinous. This guy just makes my skin crawl. And you know what? I had a dream about carrots. I'm just letting you know. Did you go to the grocery store and happen happen to go over there and like hold a carrot no. just to see if it was durable? No. Oh, I should have. You know what? All I, I have are baby carrots at home, and I don't know that not, he had not those, those carrots. <laughs> not those. But you know what? I have heard, I, and I don't know that this is true, but I have heard that some women, not me, or me, because I don't know you what don't you're going to say, say, have pleasured themselves. Fuck the cucumbers. No. 
So. Oh, yeah. No. Uh-uh. So I, you know, not that far of a stretch. Why a cucumber? For God's sake, go it's, buy something. Well, because. We the, can make recommendations. Oh, uh, that's fair. <laughs> um, because the cucumber <laughs> is much cheaper than, than Gary. Uh, Gary? Yes. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, a cucumber. I mean, if you want to name your cucumber, Gary, uh, that's fine. But we can make a recommendation. Yes, email us and let us know what um, oh. we can make some recommendations. We got you covered. We got you covered. Yeah, we do. Okay, <laughs> we are going to just let you know, squirrel, we're going to get off of that subject because my kids do listen to this. Um, <laughs> so funny, people are like, okay, you're. this is the line, Carrie. This is the line of all the other and shit you that just you talk about. over it, yeah. <laughs> so just, yeah. just a really quick uh, high-level recap on Robert Bordella. Robert... We said in the last episode, episode one, that he really didn't have much in his childhood in the way of trauma that we could say this was a prelude. He was pretty average. Yeah, pretty average. Um, But he was molested slash raped as a young teen Mm -hmm. by a man um, at his, where he worked, which was at a a kitchen. A line cook. Yeah. And then... He was, he's a homosexual, was a homosexual. He preferred the company of young male prostitutes. He had done some good in the community. He did actually at one point try to get some of these young kids off of the street. He offered his home to um, to several people who needed a place to stay. He also offered food, but he also would exchange that for the company of the young men. And most of these men that stayed with him were male prostitutes. Yes. He had a little Bob's Bizarre Bizarre <laughs> Curiosity <Bob's>. shop. <laughs> I just can't stop thinking about that stupid song. Bizarre, bizarre, whatever it is. It was some 90s song and I can't get it out of my I'm head gonna, now. Well, good. Cause, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to Google it because I don't want any part of it. But I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. Be glad. <laughs> Um, also too, he had, um, by the end of our first episode, he had raped and tortured two men, uh, Jerry and Robert Sheldon that we, we called Sheldon. Um, and when he's done during the torture process, which we'll go into again, when we go, when we start talking about victim number three, but during the torture process, you know, he, he injects tranquilizers. He gets these guys into these guys he gets them drunk he keeps them though well jerry he kept sedated um he sodomizes them over and over and then um you know unfortunately with sheldon he his torture lasted a lot longer he was electrocuted several times um, and he also likes to use uh, produce as a form of torture yeah, he really is into the produce. And yes, he's he into is. the pictures. Oh, he likes yes. the photo albums Thank and the you. diary. Thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that. He also takes uh, and you know detailed notes and hundreds and hundreds of pictures of his victims. When he's done, he drains them of their blood. He dismembers them with his kitchen knives, skill saws, chainsaws, whatever. Whatever um, he's got available. Whatever he's got available, and then he wraps them up, puts them in trash bags, and then tosses them in the bin and puts it by the front curb to be picked up and taken to the landfill. I mean, it's all a very methodical process. Yeah. And you know what I don't know is 
Um, I didn't read anywhere, to be honest with you. But I don't know. I didn't do additional research, and now I'm thinking about it. I don't think he put a lot of thought into this before his first victim, before Jerry. Oh, I was going to say, I don't feel like he's put a lot of thought into any of it other than he's just very emotional and he's and then he jerk reactions on everything. Well, and he's real quick to say, oh, here's another form of torture. Remember the Drano and the caulk and well, I don't think that the caulk really did much, but the Drano and the eyes and the ears and you know, it's, it's just terrible. I can't, uh, yeah, the whole cock thing threw me off. And yeah. I don't mean C-O-C-K. I mean C-A-U, right? Okay. You're oh. right. You're correct, madam. Thank C-A-U-L-K. you. Use it in a sentence, please. Um, yes. It's, I mean, you put cock in your ear, it's going to harden. It's going to fall out like a piece of earwax. Well, and it's, it's oily, right? right. So, yeah, he definitely did not think that through. Clearly. Um, but... He, um, so that was a, that was an L for him. Thank God there's one, but let's talk about victim number three, victim number three, who is Mark Wallace. So it's been two months since Robert Sheldon was killed. So it's only been two months, 60 days. Yeah. Robert liked the fact that Sheldon's head, remember Place Sheldon's head. He decided to keep his head. He put it in the backyard. Um, he liked the fact that Sheldon's head was still rotting in his backyard. That's like uh, Kemper. Very, yeah. I know. There's there's a lot of similarities. Similarities, here. yeah. Um, Mark Wallace, again, this is victim number three, was a man that Robert hired to help clean up his backyard. <laughs> That's a little bit ironic. Yeah. And had been staying wherever he could, and he had been doing this for several months. Clearly, money was very tight. He was down on his luck. Whatever. Um, He picked the wrong person to help do some cleaning. He's a bad roommate for show. (laughs) (laughs) By late June, and almost a year since his first victim, okay, he began to fantasize about what it would be like to rape the gardener, well, Mark, right? I don't know that technically he's a gardener, but he mm. began to fantasize about raping and torturing Mark Wallace. During a thunderstorm, Robert found Mark in his shed after his dogs woke him up, barking hysterically. Now, remember, Mark had been homeless, and he was essentially staying wherever he could. Mm-hmm. So when Robert hired him to do some cleaning, he basically said, I'm going to... Robert didn't know this. He was just going to stay in the shed, hopefully go unnoticed, but that didn't happen. Robert finds him. Um, He invites Mark inside, and they had a few beers, and they talked about Mark's life and how he was depressed, the whole situation. And, of course, Robert's trying to act, give a comforting ear, Mm -hmm. but he's glowing. This is perfect for him. Mark gets completely drunk, um, very drunk, and just before 1 a.m., Robert suggests to him, quote, let me give you an injection, end quote, that contains a tranquilizer, and this will help calm you down and relax. Mark is excited and jumps at the chance to get rid of some anxiety. (sighs) Guys, if somebody offers you something (laughs) to get rid of anxiety, 
Just say no. Just think of Nancy Reagan. Just no. say no. I um I understand that, you know, hey, would you like uh would you like a little toke or a little whatever of right. my my marijuana if that's but what even people are still, saying? Right, but now but even an injection? I, like, hey, <laughs> let me shoot you up with something. You Smack yourself trust. right now. You can't trust what's in a syringe. Gross. And where, I'm sorry, are you a doctor? What? Wh- where did you get what's in said syringe? I, oh, people, no, just say no, back away. It's, um, it's unfortunate, and I know there are people out there that would, uh, probably do it, yeah, and, um, um, uh, and enjoy something like that, but, but please, it, it could be cock. You don't be anything. You don't know. So, so Robert gives him, and then, you know, again, so Mark's like, yeah, uh, sure, whatever. Shoot me up. Give it to me. Um, and Robert gives him an injection, and it's one and a half cc's of chlorpromazine. Now, this, you guys, Say that is again real fast. Chlorpromazine. <laughs> I probably didn't do that right. But it's, a, it's something that, um, it's a drug that's used to treat mental illness and behavior, behavioral disorders um, and you know, in high enough doses, it could knock you out. And it did, it knocks, it knocks Mark out pretty quickly. And then after that, he gives him another injection of ketamine. And so he's, he's completely unconscious. Now, I don't know that this was what Mark thought would happen, right? but it doesn't matter, um, because it's, it's done. So with Mark completely incapacitated, he, you know, this is going to sound a little rinse and repeat. He strips him. He ties his hands together. And you guys, when he ties his hands, he, he's not graceful when he ties his victims up. He does this with purpose. And he's doing this to cause nerve damage. He rolls him over on the couch. And he begins rubbing his penis between Mark's butt cheeks <laughs> until he climaxed. So he doesn't penetrate him. I mean, it's gross enough. I don't don't get laugh, me wrong. But, yeah. <laughs> right? But, you know, he he's starting his torture. When Mark didn't move during this act, Robert used a carrot. Oh, there we go with the carrots. To, to penetrate his, to, to penetrate him. And I hate saying that word, anus. Anus. I just hate it. <laughs> anus. I feel like a, I feel like a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> anyway, he did You're laughing like a 12 year old boy. <laughs> anus, anus, stop, anus. Stop. <laughs> and then he, and Carrie just snorted. <laughs> I mean, he does this for several minutes. I cannot believe I'm laughing. Um, and he carries him up to the bedroom on the third floor. So he likes to take his victims up to the third floor. If he's he got a big up. ass house if he's got he three floors. He does. He's got a decent sized house. And Damn, Bizarre Bizarre must have been doing well. <laughs> right. Um, occasionally, Mark tries to speak or, you know, cry out in pain. But uh, ultimately, I see Robert I, he's as not a able spider. To. Once you're in his web, you are a done, it's a done deal, literally. Right. Um, just after 5 a.m., Mark starts to regain consciousness. While this is happening, Robert sodomizes him over and over and over God. the next two hours. How how much jizz does somebody have? 
I mean, honest to God. Well, I don't know, but... Um, I don't... I'm not a dude, and I've not done it for two hours straight, <laughs> but I'm just curious. I'm, How gonna, do you, I'm just going to ignore this, and I'm going to keep... <laughs> Does it not make you wonder even just a little no, bit? It doesn't? No, no, it doesn't because it, um, I, because of men at that, at a younger age, and I don't know exactly how old he is here, but, you know, especially, especially people who are. You take a break? Sadistic like this. I guess. This is, this is turning him on. No, I get it, but I'm just, you know, again, you know I'm about logistics. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure he has to take a break. I'm sure he's like, there's a 10 or 15 minute break every all now right, and then. set your watch, five minutes. <laughs> Since Jerry, um, who was victim number one, Robert's note-taking becomes more meticulous, and after each activity, he makes written abbreviations of what he did and the reaction that it created. I like how you say activity, <laughs> like it's yeah, a craft. I, a qu- I probably, I, you know, my air quotes, right? Like each activity. Okay, line up, kids. It's I, like you go to centers in the fifth, in <laughs> kindergarten next. At 6.45 a.m., he noted he had front fuck mark. <laughs> but... Um, yes, and I'm 12. not going to explain that. I'm just not. I'm not, I'm not going there. <laughs> um, by now. <laughs> Guys, we do not mean to laugh. We're 12. I feel like we're going to hell. By now, it's been several hours since he had given Mark any drugs because he wanted him to be more, quote unquote, into it. And he enjoyed the muff, muffled screams that he made. We talked a little bit about right. this in episode one, that this is really what turned him on. Mom. And he didn't under he didn't get to that point with Jerry. But with Sheldon, he realized that Jerry died pretty quickly um, within 24 hours. But he had more time with Sheldon. And so he, you know, he, he, oh, he really was started that. to yeah. understand that that is That's what, what turned him on. Turned him on. If he fought back too much, he would he would club him in the head with a rubber mallet, just like he did Sheldon. Miss Simmons, why are you laughing? You're causing me to laugh. I don't know These why. These people are going to go, we're not listening anymore. I know. I don't know why I said club him in the head. Maybe I should have said knocked him in the head with a rubber mallet. The rubber mallet, you guys, was... Just enough to cause pain. Well, God, that would make your... But not to make him unconscious. Right, your right? brain like, rattle yeah, in your would, head. It would, yeah, just to jolt him. He got off on the look of confusion in Mark's eyes after he would hit him. He noted in his diary that Mark became disoriented and completely confused afterwards. Yeah, that's that's that'll do it. Hitting with the rubber hammer. At one point, he repeatedly... Uh, this is, you guys, listener... Listener discretion. At one point, he repeatedly pounded Mark's testicles. Oh, God. I'm not a dude, and that hurts me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, over the next several hours, Robert rapes Mark repeatedly and electrocutes him with the alligator clips that were attached to his nipples. And then he attaches them to his swollen testicles and electrocutes him as well. There. Which I, I mean, I've seen um, videos, and I think... My brother, when I was little, I accidentally kicked him or we were playing around and he got, he got hurt. You know, cause I don't know exactly what happened. And it was, you saw his swollen testicles. No, I <laughs> saw how they reacted to being oh. kicked or hit in the sensitive <laughs> Thank you for area. Yeah, that. not that. No, <laughs> but my point is, is it like, it, it's, it's terrible. Right? Oh, I'm like, sure. You no, know, um, over and over he would turn 
the current on or up and watch Mark shake and convulse violently, violently, all while taking pictures and making notes in his book. This guy is like freaking Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, it's, I don't, I mean, we've definitely talked about people who have tortured victims, Mm -hmm. but not to this degree. Not, yeah, not to this extent. Um. At 11 a.m., Robert finally gives Mark another injection, and he gives him enough so he would stay asleep while he went to work. So this is the only downtime. I was gonna say this that is these like guys are getting is you know go go to Bob's Bazaar Bazaar dude, and they it's like he doesn't understand that they need to rest clearly um, because ultimately what he's doing, with the exception of the last one, is he's just, he's torturing these guys to death. Oh yeah. Um, Around 4 p.m., so it's at 11 o'clock, so around 4 p.m. that same day, Robert comes home to find Mark awake, and he's trying feverishly to to get loose, Um, which I only would imagine that's that's the only thing you can do, right? You got to Well, yeah, you're not just going to lay there. The sight of this infuriated Robert, and he gives Mark another large injection. And still enraged, Robert uses liquid dish soap Dish soap to give Mark an enema. Um, He hoped this would clean uh, the blood and the stool out, but he also hoped it would lubricate him so that he could fit his entire fist into Mark's anus. Um, Does he know what happens when soap dries? I mean, it's it's not going to be lubricated. Is that a word? mm, Maybe. It's not going to be not going to be slippery (laughs) it's not yeah it's not going to work so when it didn't all right so he tries okay okay well it doesn't a for effort yeah it doesn't fit and um when it doesn't fit you mean his fist his fist yeah okay he he gives him the enema he cleans him out he and then he tries to fit his fist into his anus but it doesn't work and he pauses pauses to make a note s quote S and W end quote in his diary, which stood for soap and water enema. Throughout the night, Robert continued to sodomize and torture Mark. I mean, this guy is up all night. He is relentless. When does he sleep? I don't know. How is his dick still attached to his body? He used syringe needles to poke his body. Every single time he did this, he enjoyed the reaction Mark would make, especially when he hit a nerve or a sensitive spot on his body. Uh, like his uh, testicles or his eyeballs. Um, Mm. And I don't know if you guys have ever had a nerve poked by a needle. I have. It is. uh, That's painful. It is. And it's it's jolting. Yeah. It's a definitely a sharp pain. You're going to know something. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's in addition to being stabbed by a needle. Uh, So it's suck on suck, to be honest with you. (laughs) If he found a really painful spot, He would make a note of it because he wanted to remember it for future use. During the course of the night, he continued to inject Mark with all sorts of drugs, tranquilizers, sedatives, whatever he could get his hands on. Just as as the sun was coming up, he realized Mark was no longer reacting to his torture. When he checked for a pulse, Robert realized Mark was dead, and he noted in his diary, quote, 7 a.m., dash, no signs of life. End quote. It was June 23rd, 1985. I'm surprised the guy hung on as long as he actually did. That 
That was a long time to deal with torture. Yeah. Um, these guys are lasting a little bit longer. Yeah. But Mark still doesn't have it. He still doesn't quite understand that he can't go balls to the wall. Right. Um, there's, Robert, there's a algorithm there <laughs> and, right. and, and he's, he doesn't have he's, it. doesn't have it. He's not, he's not got <laughs> it figured out yet. Robert spent that night cutting Mark into pieces, wrapping the pieces into plastic before putting, um, him into empty dog food bags oh. and then into the green garbage bin, which he took out to the curb for garbage pickup the next morning. So they weren't out there right. very long. And I'll be honest with you, um, this time he notes the license plate of the garbage truck in his diary, which is something new. He wasn't doing that before. This is, you know, every time he does, he adds something new. And it had been barely, again, Barely, just barely a year since he killed Jerry Howell, and now he's just finished torturing and murdering his third victim. So it is at this point that Kansas City Butcher is officially a serial killer. I, I mean, the cleanup alone would deter me from hand, from doing this kind of thing. That's too much damn work, right? I mean, oh, come on, I that's way too much. I'm <laughs> wrapping body pieces in plastic. I'm cleaning. I'm. It's just not worth it. Uh, yeah. And then and then on top of that, all the physical stuff, there's the emotional trauma that I'm going to put myself through. Thank you. I'm laying at bed at night. My dick's on fire. I don't understand why I keep doing this. Surely he's like, maybe I'll stop this time. Maybe. Maybe not. So Robert was really very disappointed. Mark barely lasted two days. He barely lasted 48 hours. Oh, and this was when kudos Robert... Kudos to him for lasting that damn long. I, I, I can't imagine. But this is when Robert started to realize that if he truly wanted to keep one of his quote-unquote sex toys prisoner for any length of time, he's going to have to start facing himself. <laughs> it took him three times uh, to how, what figure does, that out. What does Ryan say? It's a rodeo, not a... Is it, how does it, it's a it's a sprint it's a, a marathon, marathon not a sprint, not a sprint. yeah yeah so um yeah a rodeo <laughs> i don't know where that came from my mind is such an interesting place it is i love it <laughs> this was going to be hard for him to accomplish so he he knows it's going to be hard for him to pace himself he started to think of ways to keep his victims alive longer that also allowed him to get the same amount of pleasure and the desire desired effect. It's a balancing from, act, right? Come on, from Bob, torturing Bob, and bizarre. controlling them. He he claims it was. Uh, this is bullshit, right? He claims it was never his intention to kill them, oh, give me a but break. rather just to keep them prisoners for his own pleasure. So let's go back to to Jerry that you killed because your yard dude your yard guy was by. there. I never Thank meant you. To kill him. Whatever. He, here's Ugh. ultimately you have to know. That if you don't want to get and if get you don't want to get caught, yeah. you can't let people go. Oh, he knew it. I That's hope just those words bullshit. Never come back to me. <laughs> In Robert's downtime, which there really wasn't a lot of, he masturbated repeatedly to all the pictures that he took. So now he's killed three people. He's so he's it. had what seven hundred, eight hundred. I was going to say now. he's got a whole like and a uh, ton photo of albums. Yeah, yeah, a ton of notes and um. So he was also, but he was, he claims he was also in between killings, not enough to stop him from doing this again, but he claims that he was also living in fear 
that he was going to get caught. But he must have not been in enough fear, though. Exactly. I mean, not but, enough. So, so he was in fear, but Jerry, his first victim, um, who was the 19-year-old male prostitute whose father was the one. Who was, yeah, worried about him and yeah, yeah. He still hasn't even, nothing's happened. So he's like, eh. If it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen, right? Yeah. Robert Sheldon's murder had been the result of a lot of planning. When the opportunity to snatch Mark Wallace presented him itself, there was no such plan in place. It was a sexually fueled rage that was a temporary release, but he wanted something more. He really wanted a long-term prisoner that would in time learn to obey him. He started to feel anger towards the young male sex workers in downtown Kansas City. For years, Robert had tried to help several of the young men get off the streets, which we talked a little bit about. Yeah. Um, I don't think that this is a reason to turn to this type of violence, but whatever. He would give them home and food, but time and time again, he would end up feeling betrayed. They would steal from him when he wasn't home. Um, or they didn't share the same emotional attachment he had for them. His patience for all of this was growing thin, and this is where he developed an intense resentment towards all of them. Well, quit helping them. I mean, if if you're going to get pissed off about it, just don't help them. But, I mean, I get he's crazy, so, I mean, right. <laughs> the yeah, he's rational thinking does not apply here. Short of a picnic, for sure. Um, downtown, where most of these male sex workers hung out, word started to spread that Robert was someone everyone really did need to avoid. Jerry Howell, so the first victim, Jerry Howell's father had been asking questions regarding his son, and now Robert Sheldon and Mark Wallace were missing. The police looked briefly into Jerry's disappearance, mainly because of his father's persistence and the fact that he had a a friend on the police force, uh, Charles Nooner. And he had convinced him that his son was not a runaway and that he had last been seen with Robert, who, by the way, had a reputation for taking advantage of young male prostitutes because he wasn't killing every prostitute that he was with, but he did, in li- he did like the aggressive sex, mm-hmm. and that was getting around. Oh, okay, so it was, uh, I gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. So they were talking about him. So Charles, who is the police officer, ends up bringing Robert in for questioning, and he showed up with his attorney. Wow. Uh, He noted during the interview process that Robert seemed nervous, but other than that, there was pretty much no evidence to tie the the two men together, any solid evidence to suggest that Jerry was truly a missing man um, instead of a runaway. So there really, there was nothing to say. It's not like they had cell phones back then where you could track a cell phone or, right. you know, he didn't have credit cards or anything like that. But there was nothing to say that he didn't just hop on a train or and leave. hitchhike or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, just, I mean, he's, he's out. transient. So, I mean. I mean, and and it's unfortunate, but this is why sex workers, whether you're a male or female, get upon oh definitely so much it's your lifestyle is extremely risky it is and and sometimes they are runaways mm-hmm. or a lot of times they are runaways the only fact they had was that the two knew each other and that they were both gay 
So those were two facts that they had. They knew they knew each other and that they were both gay. But other than that, that was it. I mean, that's a stretch. I was going to say that's very vague. And yeah, they can't do anything with that information. Another lead came in from a street hustler named Todd Stoops, who at one point lived with Robert for a short time in 18... In, in 1884. In 19... <laughs> I don't know. In We're 1984. Way back. <laughs> I mean, whatever. <laughs> when, <laughs> when told the detectives that he had thought Robert had given Jerry a quote-unquote hot shot injection that, um, and that Jerry had likely died from an overdose of that. And I Googled hot shot really quickly, and if I remember, it's just like, like, uh, I don't know, like maybe cocaine and heroin. It's like something yeah, crazy, right? Some it's something that's supposed to get something? you really fucked up. Um, anyway, drugs are bad. <laughs> oh. <The> only- <laughs> you sound like South Park. That's episode. what I was trying to do. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Score. The only problem was Stoops had been in jail the night Howell went missing. And so there's no way he could have seen Robert do anything to Jerry. So he basically made some bullshit story up that right. and took it to the cops. And ultimately he was right. He probably what was happening was he had a hunch and or maybe yeah. yeah, like a gut feeling and yep. he was rolling with it. Um, well, this doesn't bode well for, for, for Mr. Stoops, but anyway. Um, yeah. Also, <laughs> yeah. He should have probably kept his mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Also, the police knew that the sex workers lived a high-risk lifestyle, which is just what we talked about. And it wasn't uncommon for them to move from city to city without notice or even disappear for for months on end. Mm -hmm. Um, They did open a missing person report on Jerry, but the detective... Um, detectives were not overly worried about the report of a missing male prostitute. They just weren't, uh, especially since what we just said, it's a high risk, risk life, life and they, right. and they're gone sometimes for months. Regardless, word continued to spread about Robert and, you know, it also, you know, they also said he had a habit of being very rough with his lovers and he liked to tie them up and he also liked to violently sodomize them. So this goes back to me saying, he didn't kill every prostitute that he was with, but he did have the he did have these violent tendencies with them. But you know, hey, he's paying them. I was so. going to say he's paying them, and they're doing it. So exactly, and and word gets around. They're going to talk. Uh, just because he wasn't killing everyone, um, didn't mean that he wasn't getting what he wanted. Mm-hmm. However, he had a large supply of drugs and a warm house to stay in with comfortable beds. And for many people, he would feed them and treat them with respect, despite the rough sex. It was preferable to the backseat of a car where most Johns wanted to take them. Yeah, I'm trying to think. If if I had to, my druthers, and I was in, unfortunately, this bad situation, I'd probably go to the house and uh, just put some lubrication on my butt. <laughs> I would just mentally go to another place. Right. Well, that too. But you know, I, I, don't I know. I'd probably choose you guys. I don't. House. I could. I yeah. I mean, I I I hate. I I never say never. I I don't know that I could ever see myself in that situation. Me either. I think I would probably live in a cardboard box under a bridge on twenty six before I <laughs> I did this. <laughs> there goes Gary. Hey, Robert. Robert had run-ins with the police in the past, but they were very minor. They were minor incidents. 
The interview with Charles had shaken Robert up, but it didn't stop him, mainly because it seemed the police were unwilling to look at the disappearance of a young male prostitute. So it didn't seem like the police were taking this disappearance seriously, yeah. and that didn't scare Robert I was going to say, all. he's probably thinking, yeah, I can get away with this, and because they don't give a shit, why should I give a shit? So exactly. uh, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. Exactly. Um, and with this, his fear of being cart, cart, caught, it diminished. Right. Uh, by late winter of 1985, Robert had another run-in with the cops, this time because of the sale of marijuana to a couple of young men. This was Walter Ferris and Gene Shaw. So Robert knew Gene from the flea market. Now, this is where his little shop shop was. Bizarre, bizarre. Bizarre, bizarre. And he sold the two young men a bottle of chlorpromazine. Um, where I, I, and I know you don't know this, but where the fuck did he get all these drugs? So I, and I know you don't know, but I I'm just saying I know a little bit. I, I, what I could find out was he, some of these were prescribed to him and some of these were, wow. Sorry guys. <laughs> I don't know. Had an accident you know with this, my cup. There's this huge <laughs> arm with a microphone. Um, right in front of your face. <laughs> and I just whacked it. That was great. <laughs> but he also, um, he also was able to, uh, animals. Yeah. He got a lot, a lot of these drugs were prescribed to his animals, his dogs. Other than that, I, I don't know. Right. Um, he also was, uh, a little bit of a seedy character. So he probably. Yeah. Probably got him off the street, <coughs> black market. Yep. Under the interstate yeah, bridge. I don't know. Something. But the next day, they asked if they could exchange it for a bag of marijuana, right? <laughs> so so they're, they bought the the chlorpromazine. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I know I'm not pronouncing that correctly. And then they took it for a day and came back and were like, <laughs> we're unhappy. And we want Do you have the receipt? Yes. <laughs> a few days later, the police show up to question him about selling the drugs. And he knew... It was Walter Ferris that set him up. Oh, snap, Walter. You're fucked. Yep. And it wasn't until later that year <clears throat> that Robert and um, Gene had crossed paths again. And Gene and Walter were still hanging out, and they're still hanging around each other. And the three men would party late every single night. Robert was beginning to get annoyed with them, um, calling at all hours, stoned, or looking for a place to crash, and after one incident, Robert was beyond furious when he came home and he found the two had broken into his house looking through his things and they were looking for drugs. I mean, I'd be pissed too. Yeah, I, I do I'd share your, your furiousness. Yeah, I'd be pissed. On September 26th, Walter Ferris called Robert. And again, I know we've got a lot of names here, but Walter is the one that Robert thinks set him up. Right. Walter Ferris called Robert and asked him to meet him at a local bar that was popular popular with uh, the uh, male homosexual community in Kansas City. Oh, they he met. Have done that. I know. <laughs> they met around seven thirty p.m. and Walter wanted to know if he could stay with him for a few days. Womp womp. Yeah, that's that's just bad. It's news. a wrap. Um, I don't even know that I should finish this, but we all know what happens. But I'm going to continue. <laughs> Keep on going. Keep going. Robert started planning. <clears throat> how to keep Robert started playing. How can I keep Walter? And he agreed, right? He's all, the wheels are starting to turn in his head. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. How can I keep this guy? They returned to Robert's house and crushed up several tranquilizers into a bowl of chili. And by 9 p.m., Walter was sleeping in a bedroom. Robert injects him with another heavy dosage of um, his tranquilizers and his sedatives, whatever whatever else he puts in there to knock these guys out. Um, and he, he begins his unthinkable, torturous acts. And, you know, of course, these guys can't fight back. Again, Robert made detailed notes. He repeatedly sodomized Walter for three hours before he started to regain consciousness, which for Robert was perfect timing because he wanted to try his new invention. He's got a new invention? He took two steel... Cooking spatulas that okay. can conduct electricity. All right. And hook them to his 7,000-watt transformer. All right. Um, and this allowed him to shock and electrocute him and quickly move the current to wherever he wanted on his body without having to disconnect wires or add more needles. <laughs> okay, wait. Because he had the, le- the alligator clips. Okay. Okay, so he had the alligator clips that he could connect to got that okay and then remember he stuck needles in yep, yep. he still had to connect something to the oh needles. okay i was gonna say all but right with the cooking spatulas he connected those directly to the uh the transformer so he could just pick them up and move so them. they're like paddles exactly okay so it, I, I was thinking correctly yeah yeah and, and they're like yeah i'm gonna give you a your heart a jump start there yeah. With my, with 7, my spatula. Watts. My spatula. So uh, Robert's torture methods were becoming more brutal and more sadistic with each kidnapping. The electric shocks would last up to five minutes at a time. He electrocuted Walter's genitals and eyelids. Oh. Uh, and you guys, I just had eyelid surgery. I can't imagine. I know. Was. Holy with, shit. With each shock, Walter jolted upright and become stiff and was trying to scream through the gag that was held in place by this piano wire, um, which the piano wire, you guys, I don't think I described it, but it's thin. It's a thin, pretty heavy-duty wire. This shit will cut your... Exactly. And it and cut he has your fingers it, off. Yes, yes. And he has it tied so tight that it does cut into the skin or it does cut circulation off. Mm-hmm. Robert noted in his diary that even with the gag on... With the gag not completely tight in Walter's mouth, he was unable to scream very loud. And this was because uh, Walter actually had damaged his vocal cords in his voice box in a car accident several years earlier when he was little. And this made it difficult for him to talk or yell loudly at all. So Robert wasn't even worried about the noise. So, So the guy didn't even really need this gag. But he still put it on for the torturous effect. He did. Um, Over the next several hours, Robert electrocuted him over and over and over on any part of his body that he wanted. You know, now he's got the paddles. He turned him over and repeatedly raped him. This cycle continued throughout the night until sunrise. Robert took Walter's temperature, which was just under 100 degrees, which was a slight fever, and it concerned him. Um, It concerned him because he thought he was going to get ill. So he injects him with an antibiotic to slow down any potential infection. This guy thinks he's a fucking doctor. He's a... He is... I'm telling you, he's he's a freaking Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. Throughout the day, Robert kept up his sexual assaults, his injections, and his torture. 
Delirious, Walter was conscious but unable to sit up, nor did he have any energy to fight back by this time. It was just before midnight when Robert noted in his diary that Walter had labored breathing. And just after midnight, he wrote that Walter was 86. And so 86 Wait. is a term that we've used in the restaurant industry. So you 86 potatoes. Potatoes. 86 okay, that's whatever. dead, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so Ugh. Robert drags his body to the bathroom, puts him in the bathtub, cuts his major arteries like he's done in the past so the body would bleed out. And he starts dismembering him. Now, this poor kid, like, he didn't last long at all. Yeah. And just like the first three times, he chops the body into small pieces, wraps them carefully in plastic bags, puts them in garbage bags, and then, uh, you know, puts them out for the garbage man to take. He was disappointed that Walter was dead so soon, but he felt an immense sense of self-satisfaction knowing that the man he suspected of trying to sell him out to the police as a drug dealer had died a horrible, painful death at the hands of the man he tried to betray. Well, and I mean, I get being satisfied that you got revenge, but damn, that's like going to extreme lengths for revenge. Right. So it was, it was, a, little, it was a little excessive. God, this guy is, uh, he is, he is yeah. unbelievable. So I've got, um, I think, one more for this episode. We're going to talk about Todd Stoops. Oh, and yeah. And then we're going to, like I said at episode one, you guys, this is going to be uh, three parts. So victim number five. Um, Robert was looking for a new victim with confidence. He was cruising the downtown area looking for a, a new young man to spend time with. And it was becoming more difficult to get young male prostitutes to get into the car with him because word on the street was spreading. Um, and everybody really did think at this point now that he was responsible for Jerry Howell's disappearance. Um, and he was absolutely someone someone to keep away from. But just because you think that doesn't mean the police are going to listen to you. Oh, right, right, right. In 1984, Robert met a young prostitute named Todd Stoops. He let him stay at his place for months, for many months, actually. Todd and his wife were both drug addicts with little to no money, and Robert was trying to help them get back on their feet. So do we know if Todd here was a male prostitute for other men or women or both? Um, he's married. He's married, uh, but not that that I means didn't get anything, the sense I guess. that he was, but he did hang out down there. Okay. So um, he was and just he doing was, whatever he could to make money, I guess. Yeah. And okay. he was actually one of the few that had one of the few that had refused Robert's sexual advances because he right. was afraid that his wife would find out. So I didn't find anything that suggested that he was a male prostitute, but he was familiar with that area. Well, it's funny that so you I'm say... I'm not going to say he wasn't because oh, I'm... Oh, yeah, no, sure. It just... I think it's funny that he's afraid that his wife's going to find out, but he's a prostitute. Right. <laughs> it doesn't seem to align there with your job choice. Yep. So <laughs> your wife is going to find out you're fucking something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so two years goes by. While Robert was cruising downtown, he sees Todd again, and he pulls over. Um, and at first... Todd didn't recognize Robert when he gets into his car, but the two caught up, you know, they did finally recognize each other and they started to talk about old times. So it turns out Todd went to prison in Oklahoma and lost contact with his wife. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He's, yeah. He's hungry and he's in need of another fix. Now remember he's 
He's a, a drug, drug addict. addict. Okay. He's in rough shape um, and agrees to go home with Robert back to his place. Uh, there you go. That, that The clincher. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Robert could not believe how lucky he was. His next victim literally just landed in his just lap, fell in his lap. Um, and this was actually going to be the man that he had desired and someone that he was extremely attracted to. And this had been for several months because remember he's, he's always turned down his advances, right? The two men catch up at Robert's place. They're sitting at the kitchen table, Robert made him some food, you know, make him feel welcome. Oh, um, oh, and but he crashes, uh, he crushes up several tranquilizers and volume and puts it in there too. I wonder if it was chilly. <laughs> well, um, you know, just to help him relax and get comfortable, like a housewarming. Comfortable, comfortable. I mean, I, I wish I could go back in time and, and warn these guys. Oh, no doubt. Don't do it. Don't go. It's like the stupid white girl runs up the stairs, you know, in a horror film rather than out the front Don't door. Don't go in there, dummy. Idiot. Within an hour, Todd was passed out sleeping, and Robert gave him uh, a heavy dosage, an injection of drugs, right, to make sure he remained unconscious. And, of course, he did this by injection. Did I say that already? It's okay. Injection kind of implies it's with a needle. Yeah. That's why I was wondering, did I say that twice? Uh, I'm glad you clarified. Robert Robert said that despite Todd's drug addiction and transient nature, he was still a very handsome man with an attractive head of curly hair and a lean, strong body. And Robert was excited, and he was looking forward to having his way with Todd. Now, we're still in the 80s, right? Right. Okay. Right. This time, he told himself that he would be careful to ensure that his new toy would not die too quickly. He was going to pace himself mm-hmm. throughout the night. <laughs> but here we go. Throughout the <laughs> night, <laughs> throughout the night, Robert repeatedly sodomized Todd until he could no longer remain in erection or maintain an erection. Finally, feeling sexually satisfied, he formulated a plan to make sure Todd would not die too soon, and if possible, to make him a long-term sex slave. I can't wait for this plan. <laughs> really, I can't. Around, around 7 a.m., Robert takes out the electric... Like, he's uh, not what? pacing himself I was gonna very say, well. That's not pacing back yeah. off the electrocution. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Robert takes out the electric transformer, and he begins to use the spatulas on Todd's eyes, with the intention of trying to blind him. Okay, okay. Yeah. So he's trying to get it so that the kid can't see and escape. Right. All right. Making it even harder for him to escape. Over the next 17 hours, Holy shit. the electrocution, the rapes, and the torture continue. And Todd lived through it. Um, well, that part. As it went on, Robert's erection returned, and he continued to sodomize him. And, you know, you guys, this is over and over. Mm-hmm. Todd is semi-conscious. But he can't, he's not conscious enough to do anything to defend himself. He's just laying there. Yeah. At one point, despite being heavily drugged, Todd cries out in pain when Robert bent his index finger and bent his index finger back and his bones snapped. Later that night, Robert was pleased that he was able to note in his journal, quote, fist fuck Todd. You know, I could have done without that. (laughs) 
And this went on for several minutes. And shortly afterwards, he noted in his journal that Todd was now bleeding severely from his anus, which I can only imagine. Here it is again. Well, if you have a fist in your butt, it's going to bleed. I'm... I mean, unless you've trained it, I guess. I don't know. We are outside of the my realm of expertise. Yeah, I I'm totally. It's way well, outside. Get, get your friend Google out and talk to him or her, whatever. <laughs> Unfazed, Robert, Robert's like, oh, a little bit of blood never hurt anybody. Oh, it's lubrication. He's completely unfazed. And so he begins to whip Todd with an electrical cord. This is not taking it slow. No, with every hit. The bleeding and battered Todd would writhe in agony, which only turned Robert on even more. We we know that he enjoys it. These guys don't know, right? Yeah. Uh, but we know he enjoys it. Todd tried to scream, and even though he was gagged with a cloth tied to his mouth, again with the piano wire, um, you know, there was still too much noise for, for Robert. He was still nervous. Uh, using a syringe, he injected liquid Drano to into the side of Todd's voice oh. box, being careful not to get the Drano too close to where it could get into his throat and reach his stomach, where it could end up poisoning him. Okay, how does he know where the hell the voice box is? I think he's just taking a guess, unless he's gone he's to a library. And I know. Done I was some like, research. is he tapping on the neck? Like, okay, because I can tell you what, I don't know where. I don't know where the hell it is either. The next day, Todd regains consciousness. Robert gave him some soda and ice cream, um, but the man was unable to keep it down. Well, because it's Drano. Yeah. I'm just Todd, <laughs> Todd was developing a fever, which concerned Robert, and he gave him a shot of anti, um, antibiotics to fight infection. Mm-hmm. And as the day went on, Todd started to cry, and he started to beg for Robert to let him go. Quote, you are never leaving Todd, and these are the facts of life, end quote. Robert oh. calmly explained and told to him, told him that if he did not do what he was told or if he would if he resisted, Robert was going to electrocute and whip him until he wished he was dead. Ugh. So basically he's He's um, like, here's your fate. Yeah. Suck it up, buddy. You're gonna be my sex slave. The next day, while Todd regained a little of his strength, he ate a small lunch and was able to keep it down. He had a little energy. He had little energy mm-hmm. or really any will to fight back and he got to the point where he let robert do whatever he wanted to him i would too just to stay alive at that point for 13 days (gasps) wow 13 days the sodom the sodomizing continued and todd became weaker and weaker his body lost most of its mass and of course he was extremely dehydrated Mm -hmm. robert cut todd's hair those curls that he said he had a really nice head he cut his hair off because the curls kept getting tangled in his restraints. Now, Todd was barely recognizable from everything that he'd been through over the last two weeks. The damage to his rectum from the sodomy was extensive, and Robert no longer sodomized him. Instead, he would use the friction of rubbing against Todd to bring himself to orgasm. Oh, God. I mean, you could rub against a couch. Why has he got to pick on this poor dude? On July 1st, Robert carried Todd to the bathroom for a bath. After the bath, he became concerned. He became concerned that Todd needed to clear his lungs because his breathing became labored. He tied Todd to a chair so he wouldn't fall over. He had become so weak that he couldn't even balance himself while he was sitting down. 
just before noon and still strapped to the chair, Todd Stoops died of the ruptured wall in his rectum caused by Robert's violent fist fucking. Once again. Okay. Yeah. Once again, Robert drained the blood from Todd's body. The garbage pickup wasn't for several days, and so he took his time cutting, cutting him up. He wrapped each piece in plastic and took him downstairs to the basement where he hoped the cooler temperatures would slow the decaying process. On July 7th, the garbage men picked up the bags containing the body of Todd Stoops and took them to the same landfill where Jerry Howell, Robert Sheldon, Mark Wallace, and Walter Ferris had been dumped. My God. This is victim number five. And that is where I wanted to get through today. And so next week we're going to finish up with our victims Thank and talk about God. Yeah, it's a lot. I can't do it anymore. You're torturing me. It's a lot. It's a <laughs> lot. So, uh, you guys. God, go wash your mouth out. <laughs> they, <laughs> go get one of those mind eraser drinks. It's, it's definitely a lot. Yeah, it's come definitely back a refreshed lot. for the next week because right. this shit will finally be over. It will be over. <laughs> it will find. And you know what? I'll do an episode on ponies and unicorns or. Leprechauns and something that will yeah. make everybody. It is happy, it's, and, it, and this is oh. part of the reason why it took. It was it was really interesting to do, but it also took me a while to get through this because I was like, "Oh, this is so interesting." And I was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna have to. I gotta stop." Um, interesting so, as I fist fucking. We're, we're good can for get. another week, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, please check us out on our website. Um, if you have any suggestions for podcasts um, or, you know, topics, let us know. Email us at statusmacabre at statusmacabre.com. Visit our Facebook page and Instagram page. Carrie posts some really cool shit because I'm lazy and don't. <laughs> so. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. This episode of Status Macabre is recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode is produced and engineered by Neek the Geek, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio. To support the show, please visit statusmacabre.com for links to social media, merchandise, and more. Special thanks to Muff the Producer, Neek the Geek, Barrett Gruber, and you, our listeners, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thank you for listening.